Hey, I want to welcome you to Coastal Community Church's online sermons. And uh, before you watch this sermon, first of all, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch. And uh, we do want you to know that uh, this is a tool to encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ, to grow closer to Him and walk with Him. Uh, we, however, at Coastal, hold a deep belief that uh, this should not supplement your attendance at a local church. We believe deeply in a local church. And so while we uh, this sermon is a, is a supplement for you, we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church, find a local pastor. Uh, if you're in our community, uh, in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to attend with us. We have three services on Sunday morning, 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15, and uh, we'd love for you to join us in one of those services. We're starting a new series at Coastal Community Church called Strength and Courage. And as a church, uh, we're ready to face some challenges of moving to a new location. And with change comes challenge. And so, uh, and while we're excited about the changes coming our way, we want to prepare for it as well. Joshua led the people of Israel to, the new, to a promised land, which had a lot of change and a lot of challenge. And so we feel like there's a lot we can learn from the book of Joshua. And so this fall, we're going to take a journey together. And we're mindful that Joshua is a type of our Savior. Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at Joshua, and through the eyes of Joshua, we're going to look at our Savior, our King, and our leader as He guides us and leads us with strength and courage. Welcome to the new series through Joshua, Strength and Courage. Uh, perfect transition, all right? Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. If you have a Bible, turn with me. If you have a note sheet, follow along with me. And uh, man, this is, uh, I'm kind of I'm bringing uh, the Strength and Courage series to a close. Pastor Andrew is preaching in two weeks. Next week is our baptism and Lord's Supper service. I can't wait. I hope you're excited to be a part of that. And Pastor Andrew is trying to decide if he wants to continue in Joshua or do a new thing, because there's a lot of Joshua we didn't cover. So I will leave that to him, and it will be a great service. Sermon, okay, so, uh, but these are the final, really, uh, Joshua's final address to the people of Israel. Joshua now has taken the promised land. There's still some work to be done, and he's trying to encourage the people of Israel with these words. And these are, these are very, this is a very famous passage of scripture in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Joshua says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when you lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that you served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, or some of your versions say, but as for me and my house, we will what? What's it say, church? Serve the Lord, right? By the way, let me ask you something. How many of y'all have that somewhere in your house? You have that, that verse pinned up in your house. Man, that's a great verse to have in your home. And I'm going to bring this to conclusion. We're going to conclude with that thought of why that's a, a great verse to, to have in your home. But Joshua, in his final address, starts by challenging the people of Israel to, above all else, fear the Lord. I want you to feel the weight of this this morning, church. I believe that the fear of the Lord is a concept that while we have, may have some head knowledge about it, it hasn't really sunk into our soul. It's a concept that is missing from American Christianity. The beginning point of understanding your need for the gospel is to understand that you uh, need to have an appropriate fear of the creator God of the universe. People don't talk about that anymore. 
And Joshua, as he's making his final address to this people, he's about to pass the baton to finish the work of the promised land. He says, listen, Israel begins with an appropriate fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Is it any wonder that we live in a culture that has terrible judgment? Why do we have terrible judgment? Because we have no fear of the Lord. We don't consider, you know what? There's gonna come a day in my existence where I will stand before the God of the universe and I will give an account of my life. And by the way, what does the fear of the Lord mean? Well, I think it starts with an appropriate understanding of who God is. It's the character of our God. He's holy. You see this theme throughout scripture. He, and, and by the way, he's, he's terrifyingly holy, which means he's set apart. He's without sin. We don't deserve to be in his presence. He's, he's awesome. What does it mean to know the God that we fear? He's the creator. Think about that. God created you. You know what that means? He's the boss, right? And we like to run through life thinking, nobody's the boss of me. Right? That's the natural rebellion that we have to the things of God. But here's the good news about God being the boss. He's also good. <laughs> so when he, he declares his ways, he knows what's good and right and what's best. Fear of the Lord comes from understanding who we are. We're the created. We, okay, I'm going to have to say it. I'm just going to have to say it. Ready? We submit to the creator. Oh, right? It's not the American way. We're sinful. Left to our own devices, we're in rebellion to our God. That's our position. And so what we deserve in our rebellion is his wrath. That's the beginning point of understanding why you need the good news of the gospel. You can't understand your need for the grace and the mercy of God until you have an appropriate fear of God. I mentioned a couple weeks ago there hasn't been a, a great spiritual awakening in this generation of people. I think it's because we as the church have gotten away from preaching this concept on a regular basis. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, um, I was reading this with some guys recently and we were in the, in the, in the uh, chapter on grace. And of course, we all love the concept of grace. We all love the concept of mercy. But on the chapter on grace, J.I. Packer says this in helping us to understand, uh, understand the, why we need the grace of God. He said this. He says, uh, they, meaning people that, that don't understand the, the fear of the Lord, they tend to dismiss a bad conscience in themselves as in others as an unhealthy psychological freak, a sign of disease or a mental aberration rather than an index of moral reality. For modern men and women are convinced that despite all their little picadillos like drinking and gambling and reckless driving and sexual laxity and black and white lies and sharp practices in trading and dirty reading and what have you, they are at heart thoroughly good folks. Then as pagans do, and modern man's heart is pagan, make no mistake about that, they imagine God as a magnified image of themselves and assume that God shares his own complacency about himself. The thought of themselves as creatures fallen from God's image, rebels against God's ru uh, rule, rebels against, guilty and unclean in God's sight, fit only for God's condemnation, never even enters their heads. 
the appropriate fear of the Lord, church. It's the beginning point of understanding why you need a gospel. And church, can I be honest with you for a second? As the body of Christ, I would far rather you leave here this morning with an appropriate understanding of the gospel than knowing we're changing locations. I would rather you leave here with an appropriate fear of God than to know, man, we're relocating. There is nothing that's more important to your understanding of the, for this to be a healthy church, for you to be a healthy disciple of Christ, is for you to understand that you need to submit your life to the, to the word of the Lord because that is the beginning point of exalting Jesus Christ. Joshua says, Israel, fear the Lord. Coastal Community Church, start with the fear of the Lord. The second thing Joshua says is to serve the Lord in sincerity. The idea here is to be whole or without blemish. Joshua says, fear the Lord, serve him wholeheartedly. This is where we get the idea at Coastal to be authentic. We want you to be sincere. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about looking good in the community. We're not talking about a church being culturally accepted. We want you to follow the person and work of Jesus Christ with a sincere heart, wholeheartedly. You couple that in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, where Joshua challenges the people, I want you to serve the Lord alone. Serve the Lord in faithfulness is the idea. The idea of faithfulness is to be reliable and dependable. To be dedicated in your, with your heart being captured by Christ. I, um, I don't know about you, different people travel different ways. When I travel a long distance where I'm going a place I've never been before. I actually like to kind of, I don't like to just plug in the GPS. I don't mind doing that, but I first like to kind of get a bird's eye view. I like to go on kind of Google Maps before I leave and kind of get the big picture of where I'm going first. How many of y'all do that? Raise your hand. How many of y'all just turn on the GPS and go, it'll get me there? How many of y'all do that? Okay, good. So there's, see, there's different people, there's different ways, but here's why I like to get the big picture. There's, I get easily, um, uh, what, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I get uh, not frustrated, but I get confused when I'm driving, when the GPS says, turn right at the next exit. And if I see two exits, I, here's the word, I get flustered, right? Which exit, which exit, which exit? You know, and I about kill me, the car's next to me, everybody in my car, you know, I just don't react well to that. And so I got to kind of see, get the layout of the land before I go, right? And so the scriptures here say, man, we can do that like in, in our walk with God, where the influence of the world are coming in and the influence of the flesh and the influence of the, our enemy, Satan. And man, suddenly, you, you know, you hear the word of the Lord, but man, you're kind of double-minded. You're not faithful. You're unreliable. Man, I don't know. Is it left? Is it right? And you kind of get flustered. And I think Joshua's reminding the people here of Israel, be focused, be faithful, be reliable. James calls this in the book of James, says, don't be double-minded, right? James chapter one, verse eight. It says their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they, that, they, that they do. And some of you in this room, man, you, you've been kind of double-minded. Am I in or am I out? Am I following or am I not? Some of us in this room, like, we're following when things get hard, but, man, when things get a little easier, things get a little relaxed, well, maybe... Maybe, you know, I could kind of do it on my own. We, we, we're double-minded. And Joshua, Joshua reminds his people to have a right focus. 
Of course, you run this through the New Testament, you know our focus, should, our hearts should be captured by God's Son, Jesus Christ. And then the idea of the Scriptures is to put off and put on. It's a common theme throughout the Scriptures, right? Put off your idols, put on faithfulness to Christ. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when you lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. So put, put on faithfulness, put off your idols, Literally, this idea of putting off or putting away is the idea to remove or revolt against your idols. You say, I don't don't have any idols. What are you talking about? Okay. The idea of an idol is is anything that captures your heart. And and for those of you who've been walking with with the Lord a long time, like you know this to be true. There are times in your life that to, to to remove an idol, it feels like you're revolting against yourself. Have you ever done that? Like, man, it's, it's difficult at times. You know, like, man, I got I to gotta put off. It's anything that captures your heart. I, I told you all last year how, you know, uh, one of the, my, during the NFC Championship as a Seahawks game, my, my, me and my boys were yelling so loud at the TV and we're so excited. It's an amazing comeback that my wife peeked her head. And actually, when we were losing, we were so forlorn and down. And then when they came back, we were so upbeat. She came in and she goes, this is idolatry, okay? And so, like, yeah, maybe. And so, uh, and so like, last two weeks ago when they were playing, this is where we, like, I get weird about this. And uh, I probably shouldn't admit this for the fun, but I, I get really weird about this. Like, two weeks ago, we were playing the Cowboys, you know, and we had the, we already had the jerseys on, you know, and so the jerseys weren't working uh, because we were struggling. And so I said to the boys, I said, that, and we have, like, the Seahawks blanket in my living room that's kind of our Seahawks room. And I said, go get the blanket. Why are you cold, Dad? No, we got to get them over to hump, you know, and I'm, we're under the Seahawks blanket, you know, and... Like that, it's just weird, right? Man, when your heart is captured by something, though, it can get beyond weird, man. It can get destructive. And the Bible says, man, when your heart is captured by anything of Christ, it's, it's a sin. It's an idol. And, and it gets beyond weird. It gets destructive. And it'll wreck your life. You can be, your heart can be captured by an addiction, that addiction consumes your thoughts all day. And it, you know, you, you, you're strategizing all day how to use your time and your money and even your, your talent, the stuff that God gave you to make money or whatever, it, all that. You're strategizing all day to figure out how can I get to that drug? How can I get to that computer screen? Also, I can just kind of temporarily solve my life's problems. Your heart can be captured by entertainment, man. You can, you can entertain where all of your time is used towards, you know, zoning out. I'm going to zone out to, to the exclusion of, of, of spiritual disciplines or family time or small group time. Suddenly, you know, this idol has consumed your time because you've entertained yourself to death. There could be some good things that uh, I'll go, yeah, that's a good thing, but if it becomes the central focus of your heart, it becomes an idol. And you can be single and you're captured with the idea of finding a mate, and it just consumes your thoughts. And so, you know, eventually it leads you to maybe dating an unbeliever or giving in to sexual impurity just to keep that person around or inappropriate mood swings because you think a person does or doesn't like you. Why? Because your heart is captured by the wrong thing. 
You can be captured by ministry, man. I, I've done that. You can run around and, and, and think that every, every person's beck and call and need, they need you. And you're, real, you're so involved in ministry, you're, you're the point of burnout. And that happens because you, you've forgotten that what they don't need you. They need Jesus Christ. You can't solve everybody's problems. Jesus can. I mean, we could go on and on with the things that are good, that were casual. You can be captured by fashion or fitness or food. You can be captured by people, cars, money, success, your home, work, vacation, entertainment, Facebook, texting, Christian music, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Any of the things you, that you can worship that, that will capture your heart apart from Jesus Christ is an idol and it needs to be removed. Does that make sense? And Joshua's reminding his people, listen, make sure your hearts are not captured by these things. Jesus reminded us that your heart can't be captured by two things. It's going to choose one or the other. Matthew chapter 6. Nobody can serve what, church? Two masters. Can't serve two. Because you'll hate the one, love the other. You'll be devoted to the one, despised by the other. You can't serve both God and money. And this is why Joshua challenged his people to choose. Choose what you will worship. The word worship means to ascribe worth to something. So let me ask you this morning, what are you going to ascribe worth to? Joshua 24, 15, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or Will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? If your heart's captured by an idol this morning, let me encourage you. Today, today is, it might be the day you need to choose. As I was talking and the Holy Spirit's grabbing a hold of your heart, and you're like, yeah, man, I, actually, there is this thing that's got my heart. Today, you need to choose. You need to put off and you need to put on. You need to remove and you need to run to Christ. You've been serving two idols. You've been double-minded long enough. It's time to put off and serve the Lord in faithfulness. Choose. And here's what I love about this passage, and hopefully you do too, and it's Joshua's personal commitment. Joshua makes a personal commitment in Joshua chapter 24. Verse, four, verse 15, he finishes by saying, but as for me and my family, so he makes this speech and he recognizes, I, I can't choose for anybody else, but I want to be clear. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It's his declaration. I hope that's our declaration as a church. This is a powerful statement. Joshua draws a line in the stand. Let me challenge you. If God is working on your heart today, as I'm talking about your heart being captured by something other than Jesus Christ, make today the day. You draw the line in the stand. You say, you know what? I'm done serving my idols. I'm done settling for far less than God has for me. I'm done walking in disobedience, obedience. I'm done being double-minded. Today is the day I draw the line in the sand and I say, today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's the declaration that Joshua makes. I want to tell you something. If God's moving that way in your heart, man, that's a gift of grace. It'd be far worse that God would leave you alone 
If there's a, if there's a hint of conviction this morning, that's a good thing. In fact, Hebrews chapter 3, the author of Hebrews actually illustrates this very point of choosing today as to be the day of salvation by referring to the parents of the people that Joshua is addressing here. Okay? So he so the author of Hebrews goes back to the parents of the people that Joshua is addressing. This is what he says. This is why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his voice don't harden your hearts as who? Who did it? Israel. He's referring back to the parents of the people that Joshua is now addressing. As Israel did when they rebelled and they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them. I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Whoa. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it still is today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And this is the call to the believer and the unbeliever. A believer perseveres to the end. So if you're here today and you're a believer, it's a great checkpoint. Hey, are you believing? Not did you walk an aisle, did you check a box, did you pray a prayer? Are you believing? Pastor John, what do you believe about, you know, persons, you know, here's what I believe about this, ready? I, I believe in what I call the security of the believer. If you're believing, you're secure. Does that make sense? Because of this passage, this passage says, today, today, today. So if you're a believer, it's a great encouragement today to check your heart. Do I have an appropriate fear of the Lord? Is my heart uh, captured by things other than Christ? If not, today's the day of salvation. Maybe you're here today and you're just checking out church. It's been a long, long time and you're wondering why you're here today. Let me encourage you. Today is the day to get right with Christ. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed? So we see that because of their what? What's it say, church? Unbelief. They were not able to enter his rest. I want to finish with this this morning. Don't presume upon the grace and the goodness of God. Do not presume that tomorrow will be another opportunity to get right with God. If the Holy Spirit is working on your heart to bow a knee in repentance and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me encourage you, today is the day of salvation. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God. 
I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, you know what? My heart is captured by idols and they're leaving me thirsty and they're leaving me weary and they're leaving me exhausted and I'm tired of it. And today I want to revolt against my idols and I want to trust the person and work of Jesus Christ as I spelled out at the beginning of the sermon. That he died for your sin. He lived a perfect life. He died for your sin. He rose again. And when you bow a knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the good works of Jesus who never had an idol in his heart, are now credited to you by grace through faith. The gospel message is both simple and complex. In its simplicity, it's repent and believe. In its complexity, repentance is to acknowledge your disobedience to God and rebellion and sin. To repent is to acknowledge that you've allowed your heart to be captured by things other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. To repent is to revolt against those things. And to believe is to believe that Jesus is God in flesh, that he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He died a substitutionary death for you by paying for the wrath of God for your sin on your behalf. To believe is to believe that he rose again, authenticating his claims and guaranteeing that you too will have eternal life. And if you're ready, we encourage you today is the day I'm going to use a church word, to be saved from the penalty of your sin. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I always say when these prayers, man, there's nothing magical about the prayer, but man, it's an opportunity to do business with the living creator, God of the universe, through his son, Jesus Christ. This is a guide to help you do business with God. Turn from your heart's idols and believe in the good news of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I recognize and confess today that my life has been lived in rebellion to you and your ways. I confess that I am indeed a sinner. I ask that today would be an opportunity to make a fresh start. Today, God, as best I understand it, I choose a new path. Today, I repent of my sin. I believe in the person and the work of your son, Jesus Christ your son that lived the life I couldn't, that died the death that I deserve and rose again, authenticating his claims to be God. And that by believing in him, God, as best I understand it, I have eternal life freely offered by grace through faith. Today, I believe. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is the Lord. He's your boss. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved from the penalty of your sin. If you prayed that prayer this morning, let me just say this. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. And enjoy the journey with us at Coastal as we develop as authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you uh, prayed that, there's a couple ways you can let me know that on the side of that bulletin is a tear off. If you just fill out and say, hey, Pastor Sean, I prayed that with you today. I'd like for some.